0: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast coming to you
1: from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And we are thrilled to have another friend on the show with us today who can help us with our African-American Ministry Emphasis Month here at Beeson. February is a special time at Beeson Divinity School when we shine a light on God's work among our African-American brothers and sisters. In fact, today, February 18, Beeson alumna Kokisha Bailey Robinson, founder of Cross Spring Ministries, is on campus with us. She is preaching during community worship at 11 in Hodges Chapel. She will also speak to our Women's Theological Colloquium after chapel, and then to all students tomorrow, February 19, for a conversation hosted by our Minority Student Fellowship. A new student group yet to be given its permanent better name, uh, so stay tuned for that. Next week, we will welcome a good friend and former student of mine, the Reverend Charlie Dates, as we continue this special emphasis. And you can find all of our events on besondivinity.com slash events. They are free, they are open to everybody, and we would love for you to join us. Now, Kristen, would you please introduce today's guest?
2: Yes, I will. And hello, friends. We're so glad you've joined us for another week on the Beeson podcast. Today's guest is Reverend Thomas Wilder. He is pastor of Bethel Baptist Church in Collegeville, a suburb of Birmingham, Alabama. He is currently enrolled in our Doctor of Ministry program, and he is married to Michelle, and they have four grown children. So, welcome, Pastor Wilder, to the Beeson podcast. Thank
0: you. Glad to be here.
2: Let's begin with you sharing more about yourself, where are you from, if you want to say something about your family and your spiritual journey.
0: Okay, great. Uh, I'm originally from a place called Aliceville, Alabama, which is way out in the middle of nowhere, actually. Uh, (laughs) We're not too far from Tuscaloosa, not too far from Utah, Alabama, and not too far from uh, Meridian and Columbus, Mississippi, so we're we're sort of uh, right on the state line. I grew up there. Uh, my parents and grandparents were from there. Went to the University of Alabama in 1976, graduated in 80, came to Birmingham in 80, and started working for Alagasco there. I came to faith at the age of 16. Uh, It actually came about because of um, just really pondering life after uh, a a cousin of mine and, and good friend was killed in a car accident and just really thinking about life up up until that point, my philosophy was that I'd, I'd go to church, which I had to do. My parents were elders in the Presbyterian church. But I'd go to church, I'd stay in church and have all the fun I wanted. But then when I got to be older, then I would try to get saved and live right. And when he died, it destroyed the myth that, that everyone lives a long time. You know, he was he was 15 years old when he was killed. And I had uh, was about to turn 16 and it just really threw me for a loop and I began searching for meaning and purpose in life and read a lot of literature about religions and ended up with Christianity um even though I had been in church and the thing that sort of turned me away and started me to looking at other things is when my cousin was killed one of his relatives Said that he was killed because there was sin in the house, and I, I just that that just crushed me because I I couldn't envision a God who who went around killing young kids because somebody in the house had sinned because everybody has sinned somewhere, and so that that put me on a rebellious path, uh, an innuently rebellious path, and uh, thankfully God saved me out of it. So <laughs> here I am.
1: Pastor Wilder, you are the pastor of one of the most famous churches in the state of Alabama, Bethes, Bethel Baptist Church in Collegeville. Mm-hmm. I bet lots of our listeners know a little bit about the yeah. history of Bethel. I bet some of our listeners don't know that it's one of the most famous churches in the state of Alabama. So we thought we'd begin by just educating our people a little bit. Can you tell us a little sure. bit about your church and its history? And um, especially its history during the Civil Rights Movement, because everybody needs to know about that. Okay. And then we'll ask you more about what the Lord's doing there today
0: sure. later in the broadcast. Bethel was the place where a man named Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth started a lot of the demonstrations that took place here in Birmingham. Uh, he came to Bethel in 1953. And around 1956, he started demonstrating because. He wanted some police protection out in the community and did not get it. And so he began to challenge the whole segregation system. Uh, so in 1956, the church was bombed. Church in house was bombed the first time. Uh, then in 1958, the church was bombed the second time. And then in 1962, the church was bombed the third time. Uh, and all that time, uh, we thank God did not suffer any loss of life, nor did we ever miss the church service. Uh, the church is still standing. Reverend Shuttlesworth uh, then left in '61 to go to Cincinnati, but he was still traveling back and forth to lead the movements here in Birmingham. He was the one that invited Dr. King down in 1963, which is when you saw the when you see all of the the, the footage of the dogs and the hoses and everything like that. It was also the year when uh, the four little girls were killed at 16th Street. Bethel has been recognized as a national historic landmark uh right now we're on the short list for World Heritage Site, meaning that we would be one of the most historic places in the world to visit and we hope to get that done in the next five to eight years uh That's primarily why people wouldn't know Bethel. It was the place where the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights started uh It was uh, the album Chris Movement for Human Rights started because the state of Alabama outlawed the NAACP, and it outlawed the NAACP because they had challenged Reverend Shuttlesworth to turn over the names of every person who was on roll. Well, he knew that the reason they wanted to do that is so that they could selectively sort of pick them off and prosecute them, so mm. he did, refused to turn it over, so the state of Alabama said that the NAACP, since it was founded in New York, was a foreign corporation and had no right to exist or operate here in Birmingham, in the city, of, uh, in the city, and also in the state, and so uh, that's when he started Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. Uh, that's primarily why people would know us. It, it was the place where a lot of the modern civil rights movement started. Uh, a lot of the demonstrations that started here in Birmingham started because of Reverend Shuttlesworth.
2: Mm-hmm. You mentioned in uh, how you came to know the Lord, mm-hmm. but how did you? Go from becoming a Christian and then eventually finding your way to Bethel Baptist Church okay. to serve as pastor. So, what led you to Bethel, and and uh, your your role there as its pastor?
0: Okay, when I when I was in the Presbyterian Church, uh, when I was eighteen years old, my church ordained me as an elder. I was like, one of the I was not the youngest elder ever ordained, but I was a young elder. I was 18 and in college. Uh, in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, you can lead a congregation as an elder even if you're not a quote-unquote ordained minister. And so when I left college in 1980, there was a church up here that had just split. Uh, my pastor from home asked me if I would come and help that church while they looked for a new pastor, so I started working with the McDowell Cumlin Presbyterian Church in Norwood in 1980. Well, in 1984, I'm still there as a pastor. <laughs> uh, in 1984, late, late 1984, early 1985, I resigned and was asked by Reverend John Porter to come and work on the staff of the Sixth Avenue Baptist Church. He was about to go on sabbatical. He had an associate pastor there that was going to do most of the preaching, but he asked me if I would come and help uh, his name was Dr. Ben Lett. Uh, Dr. Let do the preaching while he was gone for the three months. So he issued me a reciprocal license, uh, became Baptist as opposed to Presbyterian. I stayed at Sixth Avenue uh, after Reverend Porter came back for about uh, five years from 83. Well, actually, no. It was uh, from 85 to 88. So I stayed there three years And then one of the ministers at Sixth Avenue told me about this opening at Bethel Baptist Church. And he said, I should apply. And I asked, why? He said, well, because they're looking for a minister. And I said, well, if it's such a good church, why aren't you applying? (laughs) Uh, And he said, because they're looking for somebody with experience. And I don't have any experience, but I think you have the experience. And so Reverend Morris Johnson, who is also, I think he also went here to Beeson, uh, recommended me to go to, to Bethel. I went to Bethel. Initially, they turned me down because I was working full-time and needed to work full-time because my wife was at home. We were pregnant with one child and already had uh, a child. So they turned me down because they wanted somebody full-time, and I just like I-, I can't do it full-time because I need the insurance, et cetera. Uh, well, there was a teacher who asked me, well, actually, secretary for my first church asked me to come and speak at a school, uh, to middle schoolers. So I went to speak to the middle schoolers. Well, one of the people who's, who was on the pulpit selection committee, his wife was a teacher at that same school. So when I spoke, she went back, told her husband, you got to give this guy a chance. <laughs> so she, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Ann Ruth Gunn, <laughs> talked to her husband, Audrey's Gunn, and they give me an opportunity to speak. And so I spoke at Bethel in July of 1988, and I have been there ever since.
1: Well, thank the Lord for Mrs. Gunn. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) And um, I think something that certainly I want to know more about, and I bet listeners who are like me would like to know more about, is how Bethel and how Collegeville have changed from, first of all, the 50s and 60s, Mm -hmm. the heyday of the Civil Rights Movement, Second of all, the time when you actually were called to go and serve that congregation. And then thirdly, uh, what's it like in the present? And if I can, I won't load this up and make this this, uh, question too complicated, but we want to know what's it like to be the pastor of that church with so much history uh, in a day and age when things are just different than they were in the 50s and 60s?
0: Well, in the 50s and 60s, Collegeville was sort of a lower middle class community it had teachers lots of teachers and people that worked on the railroads because collegeville is surrounded by railroads there there are basically at one point there were five major railroads coming in and around collegeville so at any point in time you were going to be stopped by a train in collegeville but the thing that was progressive about collegeville as i said is that it did have a lot of people there who were teachers who uh, were nurses, who worked downtown. There were people who worked on the railroad, so they could go to all parts of the country and bring those ideas back. So it was progressing. Uh, Bethel was probably one of the more progressive churches uh, in, in the area. You know, we were the one of the first to have a separate educational wing and own its own indoor baptistry, things like that. So it was it was very flowing community. Uh, Because those people have gotten old, now the community has gone down a bit. And if you come through Bethel right now, you you will see blight, a lot of blight. And so what we're trying to do is help to erase that. Uh, In addition to the blight, one of the things that we're facing now is uh, an environmental justice issue where a lot of the factories there have polluted part of the area. There's a high incident of cancer among Mm -hmm. people who've been there for a long time. Uh, OSHA has been in for a long time trying to clean up the soil, doing things like that. We're working on getting a Superfund designation so we can speed up the, the, the progress of cleaning up the community. There are some who want to leave the community, and there's a group who really have been pushing for that. Uh, I don't want to leave the community. I don't think the church wants to leave the community because it is a historic community. Mm-hmm. Uh, its name, Collegeville, came from the fact that there was a college there a long time ago called Lauderdale College was founded by a man named John Lauderdale, who uh, knew that at one point in Alabama, black schools only went to about the eighth grade. Well, he knew that in order for you to get a good decent job, you needed more skills past the eighth grade. You need to be, do more than, than read and write. So he started Lauderdale College, which was where Collegeville, again, got his name, uh, to help with, with additional skills uh, so that people could get jobs. Today, uh, what we're trying to do is maintain the heritage of what people have done before. We we do want to maintain the civil rights history, but we don't want to get stuck there in terms of what happened in the past. So what we're trying to do now is work on some of the houses in the community. Right now we own about thirty lots. Uh, There's a lady yesterday who talked to me about giving us some more land around the, 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 the church, and our goal is to try to build up the community such that people want to come and and live there again. Uh, We work, we work with the community in terms of working on the economic justice, I mean not the economic, the uh, environmental justice issue. Uh, We are doing things to try to clean up the community. As I said, we bought several of the lots there and trying to work through that. We have a ministry where on Wednesdays we feed a lot of the kids that come from the community because we realize that a lot of our kids are hungry. And so on Wednesday, we, we give them a full course free meal. They come uh, and eat, and then we do Bible studies, and we, we do a lot of other things with them. Uh, two years ago, we took a group of our kids to, New York, to, uh, to Washington, D.C., because a lot of our kids don't get out of Collegeville. They've never seen anything other than Collegeville. And we feel like in order for you to strive for more, you need to see more. So two years ago, we took them to Washington, D.C. This year, we're looking at taking them to New York City so that, again, they can see more. Right. Uh, one of the great things I like about our church is that from the terms of economics, we have a very, very diverse group of people that come. We we have doctors. We have um, people who are in the business ranks. We have teachers. We have nurses. We have people with Ph.D.s. We have just a lot of different people. And then we have people who are just, you know, run-of-the-mill people, which, which is good. And we all seem to get along, which is also great. Mm-hmm. Uh, our goal is to try to expose our kids to different kinds of people so that they can aspire for other things.
2: We have a lot of listeners who are pastors or serving in pastoral ministry. And you've been a pastor now for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. Could you say a word to those listening who are in the throes of pastoral ministry? Perhaps they are in a bivocational role. What have you learned um, as a pastor? And what would you maybe say to encourage our listeners who are uh, not only serving in ministry, but perhaps are serving in those difficult ministry contexts?
0: I do have... First of all, a great respect for the bivocational pastor, because uh, I did that for 34 years. Uh, I was fortunate in that uh, both of the jobs I had were, were corporate jobs, so that I had some flexibility in my schedule. But if I worked, let's say, at a factory where I was you know, on a shift for 10 hours a day and then had to get off and then go try to visit or teach Bible study or go to the hospital. That is a very, very daunting task. So My heart really goes out for people who have to do that. And yet I know that there are a lot of people who do. and And I respect that role not only because of what I know they have to go through, but I think you really have to love your people and love God in order to do that. Uh, because it is tiring, uh, it's, it's exhausting. Uh, my job, as I said, was corporate, but I traveled a great deal. I was I was a recruiter for for a long time, and so there would there would not be uh, there would be times that I would teach Bible study on Wednesday night, get out at eight, get in the car, drive to Mobile because that was one of my territories, get there at midnight, start work the next day. Or there were times that I'd fly in Sunday morning just in time to. Get off the plane, run up to the pulpit and preach. and then, So it, it, it was tough. But but my word of encouragement would, would always be to know that God knows what you're going through. And, and God will give you strength to do that, particularly if he's called you to do that. It helped me tremendously to, to know that God had called me to do this. I, I wasn't just doing it because I wanted to do it. I, I was doing it because I believe that's what I was called to do. And I was called to do that. I believe one of the reasons is so that I would not be a burden to my church. I knew that they were doing the best they could to, to, to take care of me and support me and my family. But I have four kids, and four kids are very expensive. Mm-hmm. And and so it helped for me to work so that I wouldn't have to try to demand so much of the church. And then more importantly, I, I didn't want to be the kind of pastor that had to preach all over the world just to keep myself going economically. I I, I didn't think that was fair. I think if I'm going to pastor a church, uh, then I need to be able to devote as much time as I can to that church and to those people and my bivocational work helped me to do that.
1: Pastor Wilder, one of the things we're excited about here at Beeson is that you're also doing your doctorate in ministry yes. with
0: us. Yes.
1: And I uh, thought I'd ask you uh, why you're doing it. Um, what drew you to Beeson and what would you like to get done in your doctoral program?
0: Okay. Uh, first of all, let me let me thank you for allowing me to be here first uh, in the in the DMin program. I, I I was so excited when I got accepted. I really was. I I want to go and finish the doctorate because, to me, the best way I can serve is to prepare myself in a better way. The the, the more Greek and Hebrew, the, the the more of everything, history, the more I know, the more I can serve. And so that's that's my impetus behind it you can't teach what you don't know. And so in order for me to teach better, I need to learn better. I need to to put myself through the rigors of studying. I also think it's important for me to to set an example for for the kids coming up after me. You know, I, I don't I don't think we should ever come to a point where we stop learning. We we have to continue to learn because there's so much to learn. There's there's so much of God that that is there for us to know and 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 I'm sure all of you have done this. You can study a passage for years, and then one day you go back, and God opens up something else to you, and you wonder, Th- "I thought I've been reading this. Where where does that come from?" <laughs> that's right. So, so, so I like to do that. I I think it's important, as I said, to to be able to prepare myself to serve more, and so that's why I'm glad to be here. Uh, I've learned so much. The last class I was in. I really wanted to just go back and start all over again, because after listening to my professors, I, I just realized I don't know anything. <laughs> I, just, I don't know anything. What have I been doing all this time?
2: Well, a, a lot of our listeners, after perhaps after hearing this conversation, will want to uh, know how to pray for you and your church and your ministry. And I know you've already given us... Uh, many things that are going on in your community and church, but are there specific ways that we can support you and pray for you and be involved in the ways that God is at work at Bethel?
0: Well, I do, I do have a couple of staff positions now that I'm trying to fill. I'm looking for a youth minister. I'm also looking for uh, another music minister to, to, to supplement um, a minister of music that I have now. Uh, but just personally... My my goal is always to have clear vision to to know what God is saying to me now, and and to be able to do that. It, it's important to make sure I'm hearing and I'm doing exactly what I'm called to do. You know, there are a lot of things in ministry you can do. There are a lot of things that other people will call you to do, but I think we'll be held accountable for what God has called us to do. And so that's that's always my goal. You know, am I doing today? what you want me to do today? Am I leading the people in the way you want me to lead them? Am I serving the way I need to serve? Uh, So so that's my biggest prayer, just that God would give me just clear insight as to what my calling is and my purpose is and that I would be willing uh, to do that and to do it to the fullest of my ability for as long as he's called me to do it.
1: Well, may it be so. We will continue to pray for you and the people of Bethel Baptist Church You have been listening to one of Beeson's best and brightest, Pastor Thomas Wilder. More importantly, he is the pastor of Bethel Baptist Church in Collegeville here in Birmingham, Alabama, a very important historic congregation, but a vital congregation today as well, where the Lord is at work in a mighty way. Uh, We thank you, Pastor Wilder, for joining us, and we thank you, our listeners, for tuning in as well. Goodbye for now.